Turn with me in your Bible to Mark chapter 7, the Gospel of Mark chapter 7, and we're going to start reading with verse 6 and go to 13. Mark chapter 6, and we're going to start reading here. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 7, uh, and we're going to start reading in verse 6. Notice what is said here. And he said to them, This is Jesus, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the Word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 16. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Now we pray a blessing on this read Word, Your preached Word, and also, Lord, our response to what You have to say to us today by the power of Your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we have gone over the first four commandments, which which have been identified and you know are more vertical in their orientation than horizontal. So, for instance, the first four deal primarily with God. Uh, In other words, don't have any... Don't put anything before God. Don't make any idols. Uh, So the first two really deal directly with God and our relationship to Him in the sense don't put anything before Him and also don't try to bring Him down. We've, We've talked about this. Also, respect God's name. Don't misuse it. And keep the Sabbath day holy. Again, He has set this day aside. And the, and the keeping of the Sabbath kind of transitions right into this uh, fifth commandment, which is to honor your father and your mother. And it, and it starts really a new set of the commandments, a new, a new kind of orientation, so to speak, which is to do with how we operate toward one another. So every one of the commandments from here on out are not just directly to God, but instead now to your neighbor. Which is why Jesus would would summarize the law by saying, love God, verse 4, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because this is the way that the commandments have been, uh, so to speak, split once you begin to look at them. So, and again, 
Why are we doing the commandments, you say? I mean, these things are ancient. You know, these things, some people say, are irrelevant and should not even be a part of our current law system. You know, Alabama's the one who did make the stink over the Ten Commandments in the courtroom, remember? Um, so, you know, are they relevant? And what I've been saying every single week, and I hope I pump it in your head until you do remember it, repetition is a good teacher, is that the Ten Commandments are not obsolete. They are absolute. Alright? Um, and not only this, God Himself wrote the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I mean, name another portion of Scripture that God Himself wrote. Correct. That's right, you got that one right. Um, there's not one, okay? So he wrote on these tablets of stone himself. Uh, and these are engraved forever. Not only this, the prophets speak about a day in which they can see off in the future and in which Jesus brings to pass, and that is Pentecost, where now the law is written not on tablets of stone, but instead on the very heart of humanity. Your heart and my heart. This is why we are looking at the Ten Commandments. I just want to remind you again so that you don't get bored in the midst of this series on the Ten Commandments. Now notice the context. You say, why in the world would you start with this, with this thing of calling us hypocrites immediately? Well, I wasn't necessarily calling you hypocrites, but Jesus was to the people He was speaking to, not to you directly. And typically when we see hypocrite, we dismiss it. That's not us. I mean, what is a hypocrite? Someone who says they're doing something. Someone who claims something, but then does not follow through with their actions. It's lip service alone. And this is what Jesus is dealing with. He says, look, Isaiah was right when he said, you speak great things about God. You know, you, you would tell other people that you're a Christian. You tell other people that you love God, but your actions don't follow that up. And he says in particular here, your tradition will actually trump the Word of God. Notice here, he talks about this Corbin thing, which basically is this. In the ancient world, the kids took care of the parents. I mean, that's why you had a lot of kids. In particular, boys were worth a lot in the ancient world. You know, today it's kind of the girl is the princess kind of thing in America. But that's not the way it is in China. When you only get one child... It's the boy that you want. You know, that's why they murder millions of females in the name of women's rights, interestingly. There's more girls, you know, that are aborted than any other gender, obviously, than, than anybody else. So, if you didn't know that, it's sad. And it's something you ought to pray against. It's an evil within China that is going on. And so, what Jesus says here is, look, you are to take care of your parents. This is, what the, this is what the law says, is to honor them. And so in the ancient world, you went along with the family business. I mean, you, you know, you're an engineer, you raised your kids to be engineers. It wasn't anything else, you know, that you, again, you don't move out and go way off to college and come way up. That was only for the super elite rich. Not most people, in other words. And so you did the family business, and then you also took care of your parents. But what these people were doing was saying, oh no, I give this money to God. And as soon as they said that, they didn't have to give it to their parents because it was God's. It's Corbin. And Jesus says, look, you're doing this to get out of your service to your parents. And it's not honoring your parents. Instead, you're living, you're living a lie. Uh, you're a hypocrite. 
we do this in a way. I've seen this done. We give our money to the church and you expect us to teach your kids about God. Or we give our money to the church and let them go feed the poor. We give our money to all kinds of things in America. In other words, we outsource it and say, okay, I checked that off the list. But that's not what's mentioned in Matthew 25 again, is outsourcing, feeding the poor, visiting the sick, touching those who are hurting. Instead, that's your job. You must go and do that. And the church offers venues for you to do that. There's ways that you can get in touch with those hurting people. Not to outsource it. And so I would caution all of us, because we've all done it, America's known for throwing money at things rather than going and actually helping. And you know, to throw money at things doesn't help in the end. It may be a band-aid on a deeper problem, but it's not the fix. And so Jesus points to the matter and says, you're not honoring your father and mother. And this is where we begin today. In other words, Jesus upholds this fifth commandment Himself here in Mark. And so what I want to say today about this is, is, is really just two movements to the service, to the sermon this morning. The first is, children, honor your parents. Now you remember that Jesus was obedient to Mary and Joseph. And in particular Mary, because Joseph wasn't around after the fact. He more than likely died. You know, it wasn't unusual for somebody to die at 30, 40. That was kind of the lifespan in the ancient world. That's, it's obviously very different today. But that wasn't unknown in the ancient world. And they married late. The men did. The women very early. So he obeyed his parents. Jesus was obedient and learned from them. So he, again, was the example. Because here's the reality. Is we're all children. Not just that you act like children, but you're literally a child of someone. You're the product of someone's union. You may not know them, or maybe you do, and you don't like them. But either way, you are the product, the uh, progeny of someone else. You didn't create yourself, and so we are all children. Therefore, this command is for all of us this morning. We all have in our life, even beyond biological parents, we have spiritual parents. We have people who have become our mother or become our father in this way. People who are over a community. Even within your job situation, you have people who are over you. And this too can be a way and a a command toward honoring them. So the first thing is, we are to honor our parents. Now, honor is, is a word that means... To hold them in high esteem. You are to respect them is another way of of saying this. Uh, So when you, you know, for instance, here's, here's an example. When I met Drew Brees back in February, it was an honor for me to meet him. It really was. Like, I I felt honored. Now, he didn't. He doesn't know me. I, I don't hold some position in the NFL that's respectable, right? I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Some would say the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, Nonetheless, it was an honor for me. I mean, I got to meet a guy and stand here and take a picture with him and get his autograph who is honorable within the NFL. I mean, he really, people like him. People people trust him. And so, for me, it was an honor. This is holding someone honorably. 
And so we are told as children to hold our parents in this light. That's not always easy to do. Uh, one reason we are told to do this is because we owe our very life to them. Again, we didn't create ourselves. It was from a union that we came into this world. And we owe our training to them. In other words, the way you are today is a direct result of who it is that are your parents. Who you grew up with. And again, it could be a, it be, it could be a, a grandmother. It could be someone who was in a church. You know, I have several spiritual fathers. And my father himself, my dad, was a dad to many sons. We had, we had guys over all the time at our house who had broken families. And he was a father to them. And so, we are told to honor them because we owe our very life to them and our training. Our, their blood runs through our veins. And that's an important thought. That's something for us to remember. We're not self-created. But how are we to honor them? The first way is to honor God the Father. He's always the starting point. He is who defines what it means to be a father. You say, well, my father was never there. And I heard a story yesterday about someone whose father was never there. That's shocking to me because I've never lived that. My dad has always, always been there for me. I mean always. Yes, amen. I mean, in my darkest times to the times where I caught the baseball in Little League and he came out and picked me up and whirled me around. I mean, it's a dream world that I've lived because of someone's sacrifice, namely my mom and my dad. But not everybody has that story. Some people don't even know what it means to have a dad to call when your car's broken. A dad to come over to help fix things. But you know what? Fathers, dads, are not defined by earthly fathers and dads. Fatherhood is defined by God Himself who is Father of all and whom all the families of earth are named after. That's what the New Testament says. And so, we don't have to axe fatherhood just because it's gone awry in America and other parts of the modern world. No, it's still a concept, a calling that is honorable, being a father. And it's something that obviously is, great, is a great need in our own time here in America. It is staggering the statistics of households who have no father around. Especially among the black community. It is staggering. It's ab- yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely staggering and shocking and sad. You can be a father to many. And I promise you're not called just to be a father to your own. You're called to be a spiritual father to someone. We're all to disciple others, not just be discipled. That means you have a fathering role in this world. No matter if you're single. I mean, even priests, what do you call them? A father. Why? Because that's a fathering role to a community. 
So you can't be dismissed this morning if you are single or you don't have kids. The second way is not only by honoring God our Father, that's the first way to learn, but by offering our honor to our parents through gratitude, through thankfulness. Be thankful. If we have that one orientation going into any relationship, it's going to make the relationships better. (laughs) If everything we offer to them is from a heart of thankfulness, it's not always want and need and selfishness and desires, but instead a giving. You, you, You understand that you've received a gift. And you remember what the Bible says that's always a little scary is that is... To whom much is given, much is required. That's, that's always been a, a, a caution light for me and for my brother, quite frankly. Because we do come from such a good family. I mean, there's a show on television right now that's making millions of dollars that just broke a record last week for the most viewed kind of reality show, which is Doug Dynasty. It's about a family. That's that's at the core of that show. The core is not to teach you how to hunt or how to make a duck call. They rarely make duck calls that I see on the show. They're always doing family stuff. Why? Why would people tune into that? Because we have broken families. We long to see a wholesome family actually having fun and being joy-filled. Out of gratitude, thankfulness, should we honor our mother and our father. You know, my dad is the type of guy, if you know him, which some of you do and some of you don't, so it'll be funny in here to let me share this. If you know him at all, he demands honor. He dema- I mean, when he walks into a room, he demands respect. Even though he's shorter than my brother and I. I mean, he looks like a midge compared to us. Especially Justin towering at 6'4", and me being wider, and him being skinny and short. And yet, his voice fills the room, his very presence fills the room, his storytelling is captivating. He holds and demands by his very person respect. Now, of course, as a child, I challenged that kind of respect. There was one time where I smarted off to him. And I literally mean one time. I shot something off at the mouth, and before I could even get it out, I had been slapped upside the head. Now, you may not agree with that. It's too late to call DHR, okay? He slapped me right across the face before I ever even finished what I was smarting off to him. You know, I was kind of getting a little older and trying to flex my freedom. And I got a rude awakening that afternoon. And so I actually went up to my room, and I'll be honest, I cried. I didn't know what just happened. I thought, whoa, what just happened? So I'm, I'm sitting in the floor, you know, and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of dropping some tears here. And my dad comes up there. And he apologizes. He says, you know, son, I shouldn't have done that. It was a reaction. You know, it was... It was it was just a reaction. It was my fault. And, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, 
And you know, that taught me a very important lesson. Number one, don't smart off to my dad. (laughs) Number two, that when you make a mistake, be a man, confess that mistake, and ask for forgiveness. Go to that person. Don't assume they know. It was a very important lesson for me that day that I've never forgotten. Not just because I got knocked upside the head. But don't we need a similar lesson sometimes from God? We need a good slap in the face to get us to stop living in our own little world and see that He is the God who owns everything. Who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's nothing too big for Him. And so when we're going around bemoaning ourselves and and complaining and throwing up on everybody else around us, We need a good slap to the face to say, no, be thankful. You know what? I was very thankful for my dad that day, even after the fact. Because number one, I knew where my freedom ended very clearly, which I needed to know that. And I also knew that he was a dad who would be honest with me. That's something that some of us need to work on as parents. When you do mess up, go to your kids and tell them. Confess that. Be the example. Now, the third way to honor your parents is to obey them. You know, obedience in the Bible is not a side issue. It's not something that, you know, if you get around to it, you should do. No, you must do. These are absolutes are what we're talking about here. Jesus says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. It's not a side issue. He couples it, unites it with love itself. You can't love God if you don't love your brother. So as we move into these next six commandments that are left for us that deal with your neighbor, God is saying... You can't love me if you don't do these things. You can't be racist and hate other people or hate certain types of people at your work, in your family, in your life, and say that you love God. It's lip service. Jesus would point at you and say, Hypocrite! And lastly, on children, honor your parents, is you have a responsibility. As a child, adults, we have a responsibility to take care of our aging parents. I know it's tough. I know it'll mix up your schedule, shake up your world when this happens. We went through this recently with Pappy, my dad's dad, who passed away. Almost two years ago. And my dad took off work. The church let him go to be with him during that time. And he helped him die well. He didn't outsource it to the nurses and the doctors. He was there. He didn't outsource it to the church minister to come. Instead, he was there. In those last few moments, his two children, my dad and my aunt, 
were there with Him as He went to be with Jesus Christ. Here was this man who gave my own dad his strength. My own dad his personality. I mean, you talk about a virtuous man. That was my pappy. A hard worker. That was my pap. One of the nicest people you would have ever met. Served my Meemaw all those years of their marriage for over 60 years. And here he was and couldn't even go to the bathroom by himself. Was having to be changed in a diaper. Was having visitors come in and he's lying there unconscious. And my dad protected him during this time. My dad honored him as he was passing away. This man who had reared him. Who had who has made a a deep impact on me because I lived with him during college. Who his blood flows through my veins this morning. I am the product of that union. And he honored him. And we have that responsibility. That's on us as children. But there's a problem here. You see, you can't just tell a one-year-old, honor me. Ty, you honor me, buddy. (laughs) How are they going to (laughs) know? You see, it's not intuitive to us to know how to honor our parents. So you thought this message today would be for your children. You maybe wish that they were in here. Or maybe not. But this message is for you. You see, not only are children to honor your parents, but parents are to be honorable. If we want our children to honor us, be honorable. If you want these young ones here that were right up here earlier to honor you as a father in the faith, a mother in the faith, then be honorable. Set that example before them. Literally become the gospel for them. The good news of Jesus Christ. How, you might say? By educating them. It's our first responsibility. We we are in charge of our children's education. We're we're to direct that. And, And according to the Old Testament, the way they did it was the parents were in charge of all of the education. And you are. You say, well, no, no, we have a school system. Yes, but you're still in charge of their education. When they come home talking about this or that, you say, no, we actually don't believe in that, son. No, we don't practice that. Not only that, as a parent, you are to see your children as children of God. This may be one of the most important visions you have of your children. You don't just see them as growing up to be a a person who makes a lot of money in life. I mean, I would love for Jackson to make it on the Atlanta Braves farm team and then move up to the MLB and then me have tickets, you know, to go see him play. That, That would be a dream of mine, right? Because it was a dream that I saw fail in my life. Uh, because of my hitting, okay? So, I would love to see that played out in him. But you know what? If he told me 
How old is he? 20 years from now, 18 years from now, even 15 years from now, 14, 13, too close for me to want to know. If he said, you know what, Dad? God called me to go to India. I would say, praise be to God, son. If he told him to go to a Muslim world where it's going to be dangerous, I would say, praise be to God, son. Because I live by what my father taught me. And he said, son, I'd rather have you on the other side of the world than right next door to me going to hell. That's a sobering thought. Are you willing to really give your kids to God? Because they are His. They are not yours. They are a gift. Remember what we said we're operating out of? It's thanksgiving and gratitude. We become Gollum, Smeagol when we say, they're all mine. C.S. Lewis has a, has a great book if you've never read it, The Great Divorce. It actually doesn't deal with divorce except for heaven and hell. And it's a fictional story, but in that story has one sobering image of this woman who literally would rather have her son in hell with her than to be in heaven. Because he is hers, she says. She can't ever get over the fact that he is God's first. They are children of God and they should be treated like that. They should be raised like that. These precious kids that were up here, Jesus says, if you make one of those stumble, it's better for you to have a rock tied around your neck and be thrown in a lake. He said, whoa, I didn't know Jesus was so morbid. Yeah, it's shocking. It's very shocking. And yet it's true. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. Are you hindering them with your life? Let me ask you, parents. Are you hindering? Look, you can say it all day long, but what are they going to do? What you do. They're going to live like you live. Now, you may be able to cover up a good bit, but let's be honest. You found out more about your parents than, they, than you let them know. You know more about... I mean, you, you found things. They see things. They are watching us. You might as well throw privacy out the window. They're watching. And they see and they know more than what we let on. So, I ask you again, are you hindering them from the faith? From their Creator? From their God? Here's another way to be honorable as a parent is to be the example. Be Christ to them. Look, we're all going to mess up as parents. Daily, weekly, whatever. I mean, it gets intense around our house sometimes. There's six people in there. I mean, I have a whole community myself. I told people at youth camp, they said, boy, you're, you know, you, youth, this youth camp thing that you keep doing, boy, that must be tough. I said, I run a youth camp every day. At my house, this is nothing to me. This is fun, you know. No, here's the reality: is we are called to be the example. If we want our kids to be a certain way, we can't just tell them; we must live it. 
You know, they listen to you when you complain. They listen to you when you talk about people. You're teaching them to talk about people. You teach them to gossip. You teach them to watch TV all the time. Not just because you say you shouldn't, but because you do it. You teach them not to read God's Word because they never see you. You teach them not to pray. You teach them to pray cheap prayers of just protection. You know, I noticed in Jackson's praying a few months back that he was only praying to have a good day and just, you know, lovey-dovey stuff. And I told Jessica, I said, we really have to... He's hearing something wrong in the way that we're praying. And so I had to augment the way I prayed. Even around them. Because prayer is not just some checklist. It's communication with God. Loving God. They hear us, guys. And it's very important that you be honorable. Be the example. Also, you're to be the evangelist to them. You are... If you don't do anything else in life... I mean, I would love to just sit here and say, who have you discipled? Who have you discipled? Who have you discipled? Because it would be shocking. That's the reason I would want to do it. It really would. It would shock some of us because you're not able to point to anybody you've shared your life with for the purpose of them growing in Christ. And that's not a good thing. And in our church, we ought to be moving in this direction of discipleship. But if you never disciple anybody, I'm just saying, if you never... You must disciple those little ones in your home. Before work, before ministry, my ministry, my work is to Jackson, Baylor, Bo, and to Ty. And to my wife. That's my number one calling. God, family, vocation, and everything else. This is the order of our lives, according to the Scriptures. You're in charge. Father and mother, they're watching. (laughs) Also, we're to provide for them, of course, both physically and spiritually. But let me add one last thing as we close. And that's this. Yeah, we're to be honorable. Yeah, we are to honor our parents. But also... Let me throw this thought in there. If God is our Father, like we've said, then the church is our mother. That's not original to me. That's St. Augustine, around 300 A.D. Here's the reality. Where are we nurtured? Where are we taught? Where do we see the Gospel lived out? Where do we see the example? Where are we able to come and learn and be nurtured in the faith, it's the church. That is God's design. That's why He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some of you are. But instead, come and submit to God. Because who is the head of the church? Our brother. Let's keep it familial. Our brother, Christ. And He obeys His Father. And the church prepares us, dresses us, bathes us for the marriage one day between Christ and His church and His bride. The church is our mother. And we are also to honor her. 
Honor her by our service. Honor her by our time. Honor her by our gifts. Are you honoring your parents? Are you an honorable person? Are you even worth honoring, respecting? And lastly, are you honoring the church? Here's the good news. You can. You can. No matter what's been in the past, today is an opportunity to start afresh, anew. Be honest. Confess where you are. Don't try to hide this morning. That's the worst thing that you could do. That's the worst thing my dad could have done that day was to hide what had happened. Slide it under, kick it under a rug. Let's forget it. No, instead he addressed it head on. And he's taught me to do the same with my problems. Would you bring your problems to God this morning? Would you bring your children to God, your marriage, your family? This altar is a place where you can make a commitment to Jesus today to be a better dad, a better mom, a better child, son or daughter, and ultimately honor God through what you're doing. Amen.